Hello, and welcome to episode 32 of the Idiot Book Nook Book Club Podcast. My name is Blazewing, my pronouns are she, her, they, them, and I have pants on today. Okay. I don't know how we can follow up with that. We can't follow up with that now. <laughs> my I'm name lady... is... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys want to start over? No. Nose goes. You were the last one to touch your nose. You got to go first. I know. I usually go first. Damn it. <laughs> Fine. Uh -huh. I'm Lady Punnett, spelled P-U-N-I-T. And my pronouns are primarily she, her, sometimes they, them. It is a she, they kind of day. I have two cats and one of them's wearing the cone of shame. And I am the reading dragon. My pronouns are she, her. And God fucking damn it, this day so far. Should I order strawberry kiwi fruit tea? Ooh, that sounds pretty good. But then I might get the, the strawberry juice pearls. If you would like to follow us on social media, you can do so by following Lady Punnett at L-A-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash... L-A-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Polita dot Avalon. You can follow The Reading Dragon at L-A-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash The Reading Dragon. And you can follow myself at L-A-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Blazewing2010. If you would like to take a look at our podcast feed and or leave us a voice message we would love it if you would interact with us you can do so at anchor.fm slash idiot dash book dash nook and our website it is idiotbooknook.wordpress.com i want to take a moment to thank my patreon subscribers studio prey and wild firestorm for your contributions i love you guys um i'm sorry that i it, it slipped my mind for like up until last episode that was my bad yeah, we've been doing... We're on episode 32 now. Yeah, I'm fully aware. <laughs> that being said, like, these are just cut up from Twitch streams, and... Yep. How many Twitch streams have we done now? Eh, that I don't know, but just so our podcast listeners are aware, we do streaming every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Mountain Time on Twitch. You can go to Blazewing's Linktree... And find the link to the Twitch, uh, basically the Twitch cast for Wednesday mornings. If you would like to come and join us, that's 9 a.m. Mountain Time on Wednesdays. And you come join us and interact live in our chat. Because when we get to the discussion portion, as you guys know, uh, we do like to include the audience. Uh -huh. So you guys can have real-time input with us. So if you're in the UK and you happen to be listening in the middle of the gosh darn night, uh, on our Twitch stream. Say hi. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. It is currently 5.44 p.m. in London. Oh, so yep. it's like perfect. Summertime. So our stream, yeah, our stream would be perfect for like evening stuff. They they basically help them wind down after a work day. After Pretty a standard much. work day. So. Hey. Anyways. Uh, we would like to thank our listeners over in the UK across the pond. We would also like to thank our listeners here in North America as well for continuing to tune in. In both America and Canada. And with that being said, I believe we are moving on to Chapter 16 of The Amulet of Samarkand, the first book in the Bartimaeus trilogy. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Episode 32, folks. 
Narrator, please take it away. <clears throat> right after I finish chewing my gummies. Absolutely. So long as they're not rocks. Shelvar, not yet. For those of you that are listening on the podcast, that was a throwback to our half an hour before we do podcast episode recordings. It, it was a thing. You should check if it you, out. If you want to know about it, I believe it is currently clipped on our Twitch. It will be clipped it on our. Be. It'll be clipped on our Twitch, and I'm going to be looking at pushing those out on social media at some point. Are you able to do clips on reruns of Twitch episodes? We'll talk about that afterwards. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so to the main meat of our stream, the Bartimaeus trilogy, Book One, The Amulet of Samarkand. Written by Jonathan Stroud. Narrated by the Reading Dragon. Voice acted by the Reading Dragon, Blazewing 2010, and Lady Punnett, Who's currently who seems to be enjoying news. her food. <laughs> we can hear the slurps. Don't forget to mute your mic, hon. <laughs> <laughs> We love you. <laughs> <laughs> that got us a finger. Oh, oh, oh God. Hold up. <laughs> oh, God. There we go. Okay. God, I got way too many clips. All right. Chapter 16. Bartimaeus. When I set out from the boy's attic window, my head was so full of competing plans and complex stratagems that I didn't look where I was going and flew straight into a chimney. Fucking chimney. Rude how it's been there. In my way. Something symbolic in that. It's what fake freedom does for you. Off I went, flying through the air, one of a million pigeons in the great metropolis. The sun was on my wings. The cold air ruffled my handsome feathers. The endless rows of gray-brown roofs stretched below me and away to the dim horizon, like the furrows of a giant autumn field. How that great space called to me. I wanted to fly until I had left the cursed city far behind, never looking back. I could have done so. No one would have stopped me. I would not be summoned back. But I could not follow this desire. The boy had made quite clear what would happen if I failed to spy on Simon Lovelace's and if I failed to spy on Simon Lovelace and dish the dirt on him. Sure. I could go anywhere I wanted right now. Sure, I could use any methods I chose to acquire my info. Bearing in mind that anything I did that harmed Nathaniel would in due course harm me too. Sure, the boy would not summon me for a while at least. He was very, he was wary and needed rest. Sure. I had a month to do the job, but 
I still had to obey his orders to his satisfaction. If not, I had an appointment with old Chokey, which at that moment was probably settling softly into the thick, dark ooze at the bottom of the Thames. He wasn't the only one, believe me. Freedom is an illusion. It always comes at a price. Thinking things through, I decided that I had the meager choice of starting with a known place or with a known fact. The place was Simon Lovelace's villa in Hampstead, where much of his secret business presumably occurred. I, I did not wish to enter it again, but perhaps I could mount a watch outside and see who went in and out. The fact was that the magician had seemingly come into possession of the amulet of Samarkand by ill means. Perhaps I could find someone who knew more about the object's recent history, such as who had owned it last. Of the two starting points, visiting Hampstead seemed the best way to begin. At least I knew how to get there. This time I kept as far away as possible. Finding a house on the opposite side of the road that offered a decent view of the villa's front drive and gate, I alighted upon it and perched on the gutter. Then I surveyed the terrain. A few changes had been made to Lovelace's pad since the night before. <laughs> the defense nexus had been repaired and strengthened with an extra layer. Mm. While the most badly scorched trees had been cut up and taken away. Mm. More ominously, several tall, thin, reddish creatures were now prowling the lawns on the fourth and fifth planes. Fuck. There was no sign of Lovelace, Fakwarl, or Jabor. But then I didn't expect anything right away. I was bound to have to wait for an hour or so. Fluffing up my feathers against the wind, I settled down to my surveillance. Three days. I stayed on that gutter three whole days. It did me good to rest myself, I'm sure. But the ache that grew up within my manifestation made me fretful. Moreover, I was very bored. Nothing significant happened. Each morning, an elderly gardener toddled around the estate, scattering fertilizer on the stretches of lawn where Jabor's detonations had landed. 
In the afternoons, he snipped at token stems and raked the drive before pottering in for a cup of tea. He was oblivious to the red things, three of which stalked him at all times, like giant yearning birds of prey. No doubt, only the strict terms of their summoning prevented them from devouring him. <laughs> Each evening, a flotilla. flotilla. What is a, a flotilla? Each evening, a flotilla of search spheres emerged to resume their hunt across the city. The magician himself remained inside, doubtless orchestrating other attempts to locate his amulets. I wondered idly whether Fakwarl and Jabor had suffered for letting me escape. <sighs> One could only hope. On the third morning of... On the third mor sorry, eh. on the morning of the third day, a soft coo of approval broke my concentration. Finally, a small, well-presented pigeon had appeared on the guttering to my right and was looking at me with distinctly interested tilt, with a distinctively, sorry, wrong term with a distinctly interested tilt of the head. Something about it made me suspect it was female. I gave what I hoped was a haughty and dismissive coo and looked away. The pigeon gave a co coquettish a coquettish hop along the guttering. <sighs> Just what I needed. An amorous bird. I edged away. She hopped a little closer. I edged away again. Now I was right at the end of the gutter, perched above the opening to the drain pipe. It was tempting to turn into an alley cat and frighten her out of her feathers, but it was too risky to make a change so close to the villa. I was just about to fly elsewhere when a long la when at long last I spotted something leaving Simon Lovelace's compound. Hmm. A small circular hole widened in the shimmering blue nexus, and a bottle green imp with bat's wings and the snout of a pig issued through it. The hole closed up. The imp beat its wings and flew down the road at street, at street lamp height. He carried a pair of letters in one paw. Mm -hmm. <laughs> at that moment, a purring coo sounded directly in my ear. Uh, uh. I half turned my head and looked directly into the beak of that benighted sheep pigeon. <laughs> With devious feminine cunning, she'd seize the opportunity to snuggle right up close. My response was eloquent and brief. She got a wingtip in the eye and a kick in the plumage. And with that, I was airborne, following the imp. Quick, 
quick quick note is anyone else getting sword in the stone vibes when arthur was a squirrel and the female squirrel really really wanted to be with him yes i i that was the immediate first thought when the pigeon came in <clears throat> like poor, poor female pigeon and squirrel right like good lord I still remember. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you about it, like at the end of the chapter. I just I had to interject that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a thing I want to tell you guys about that was really interesting. But yeah, well, I'll wait till after. But continue. Yeah. It was clear to me that he was a messenger of some kind, probably entrusted with something too dangerous or secret for telephone or mail. I had seen creatures of this kind before. Whatever he was carrying now. This was my first opportunity to spy on Lovelace's doings. Footnote. 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 Where is the footnote? Footnote. Oh, there it is. Some societies I had known made great use of messenger imps. The rooftops and date palms of the old Baghdad, which was neither telephone nor email, used to swarm with things after breakfast and shortly before sundown, which were you which were the two traditional times for messages to be sent. The imp drifted over some gardens, sorting on an updraft. I followed, laboring somewhat on my stubby wings. Mm. As I went, I considered the situation carefully. The safest and most sensible thing to do was to ignore the envelopes he was carrying and concentrate instead on making friends with him. I could, for instance, adopt the semblance of another messenger imp and start up a conversation. Perhaps winning his confidence during the course of several chance meetings, if I were patient, friendly, and casual enough, he would no doubt even spill some beans. Beans. Or I could just beat him up instead. This was a quicker and more direct approach, and all in all, I favored it. So I followed the imp at a discreet distance, and jumped him over Hampstead Heath. Or is it Heath? I think it's Heath. Heath, probably. Heath, okay. So I followed the imp at a discreet distance and jumped him over Hampstead Heath. When we were in a remote enough area, I made the change from pigeon to gargoyle. Then I swooped down upon the unlucky imp and hooked and bundled us to earth among some scrubby trees. This done, I held him by a foot and gave him a decent shaking. Let go! He squealed, flailing back and forth with his four-clawed paws. I'll have you! I'll cut you to ribbons, I will! Will you, my lad? I dragged him into a thicket and fixed him nicely under a small boulder. Only his snout and paws protruded. Right, I said, sitting myself cross-legged on top of the stone and plucking the envelopes from a paw. First, 
I'm going to read these. Then we can talk. You can tell me what and all you know about Simon Lovelace. Affecting not to notice the frankly shocking curses that sounded up from below, I considered the envelopes. They were very different. One was plain and completely blank. It bore no name or mark and had been sealed with a small blob of red wax. The other was more showy, made of soft yellowish vellum. Its seal had been pressed with the shape of the magician's monogram, S.L. It was addressed to someone named R. Devereux, Esquire. First question, I asked. Who's R. Devereux? The imp's voice was muffled but insolent. You're kidding! You don't know who Rupert Devereux is? You stupid or something? A small piece of advice, I said. Generally speaking, it isn't wise to be rude to someone bigger than you. Especially when they've just trapped you under a boulder. You can stick your vice up! I'll ask again. Oh wait, there is a there is a note. Okay. These polite asterisks replace a short, censored episode characterized by bad language and some sadly unnecessary violence. When we pick up the story again, everything is as before, except that I am perspiring slightly, and the constrant imp is in... Contrite imp is in the model of cooperation. (laughs) For those of you that can't see this, there's about 10 to 12 just asterisks all in a line for that. So, Lady Pondit, if you don't mind reading that one line again... These polite asterisks no, replace you can a... stick your advice up. You can stick your advice up your... <laughs> That's basically what it is. Yep. It <laughs> sure is. Anyway. Now that, now that we've gotten to uh, that whole... Uh, what is it? Fade out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because that's what's running in my head. Censored. Censorship. I'll ask again. Who is Rupert Devereux? He's the British Prime Minister, oh, most potentious and merciful one. Bounteous. Bounteous. That same difference. I mean, you almost said bodacious. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we don't know. He could be a very bodacious gargoyle right now. I am a very bodacious gargoyle. I think they were talking about the prime minister. No, I no. think he's no, no. There's a there's a comma. He's the prime oh, minister, my, my British bad. prime minister. My bad. Anyways, oh, most bounteous and merciful one, or most bodacious and merciful one. <laughs> <laughs> Is he? Lovelace does move in high circles. 
Let's see what he's got to say to the Prime Minister then. Mm. Oh, wait, no. That wasn't out of quotation. So, okay, let me do that one again. Is he? Hmm. Lovelace does move in high circles. Let's see what he's got to say to the Prime Minister then. On the night I stole the amulet, I heard Lovelace being skeptical about the Prime Minister's abilities, and this gap in my knowledge suggests he was right. If Devereux... Devereux? Devereux. Devereux. Devereux had been a prominent magician, chances are I would have heard his name. Oops. Word spreads quickly about the powerful ones who are already the most trouble. Extending the sharpest of my claws, I carefully prized the sealing wax off the envelope with minimum damage and placed it on the boulder beside me for safekeeping. Then I opened the envelope. It wasn't the most thrilling letter I've ever intercepted. <clears throat> Dear Rupert, please accept my deepest, most humble apologies, but I may be slightly late arriving at Parliament this evening. Something urgent has come up in relation to next week's big event, and I simply must try to resolve it today. I would not wish for any of the preparations to get badly behind schedule. I do hope you will see fit to forgive me if I am delayed. Maybe I take this opportunity to say again how eternally grateful we are to have the opportunity of hosting the conference. Amanda has already renovated the hall and is now in the process of installing new soft furnishings in the Nouveau, per Nouveau Persian style in your suite. She has also ordered a large number of your favorite delicacies, including fresh Larks' tongues. Apologies again. I will certainly be present for your address. Your faithful and unfailingly obedient servant, servant, Simon. Just your typical groveling magician speak. The kind of psychophantic twaddle that leaves an oily sensation on the tongue. Ew. And isn't great... Hmm? I said ugh. Yeah. And isn't greatly informative either. Still, at least I had no difficulty in guessing what something extremely urgent was. That could only be the missing amulet, amulet, surely. Also, it was noticeable that he needed to sort it out before a big event next week. A conference of some kind. Oh, excuse me. Perhaps... That was worth investigating. As for Amanda, she could only be the woman I had seen with Lovelace on my first trip to the villa. It would be useful to learn more about her. <laughs> I replaced the letter carefully in the envelope, took up the sealing wax, and by judiciously applying a tiny burst of heat, melted its underside. Then I stuck the seal down again 
and presto, good as new. Next, I opened the second envelope. Inside was a small slip of paper, inscribed with a brief message. The tickets remain lost. We may have to cancel the performance. Please consider our options. We'll see you at P tonight. Hmm. Now, this was more like it. Much more suspicious. No address C, no signature at the bottom, everything nice and vague. And, like all the best secret messages, its true meaning was concealed. Or at least, it would have been, for any human numbskull who chanced to read it, I, on the other hand, instantly saw through all the tribe about lost tickets. Lovelace was quietly discussing his missing amulet again. It looked as if the kid was right. Perhaps the magician did have something to hide. Hmm. It was time to ask my friend the imp a few straight questions. Right, I said, this blank envelope, where are you taking it? To the residence of Mr. Shiler, oh most awful one. He lives in Greenwich. And who is Mr. Shiler? I believe, oh light of all gin, that he is Mr. Lovelace's old master. I regularly mm. take correspondence between them. They are both ministers in the government. I see. This was something to go on, if not much. What were they up to? What was this performance that might have to be canceled? From the clues in both letters, it seemed that Lovelace and Shiler would meet to discuss their affairs this evening at Parliament. It would be well worth being there to hear what they had to say. In the meantime, I resumed my inquiries. Simon Lovelace, what do you know about him? What's this conference he's organizing? The imp gave a forlorn cry. Oh, brilliant ray of starlight, it grieves me, but I do not know. May I be toasted for my ignorance. I simply carry messages worthless as I am. I go where I am directed and bring replies by return before deviating from my course and never, never pausing. Never deviating. Never deviating from my course and never pausing unless I am as so fortunate as to be laid by your good graces and squished under a stone. Indeed. Well, who is Lovelace close to? Who do you carry messages to most often? Oh, most glorious person of high repute. Perhaps Mr. Shiler is the most frequent correspondent. Otherwise, no one stands out. They are mainly politicians and people of stature in London society. All magicians, of course. But they vary greatly 
Only the other day, for instance, I carried messages to Tim Hildick, Minister of the Region, to Sholto Pin of Pins Accounterments, and to and from Quentin's Makepeace, the theatrical impresario. 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 That is a typical cross-section. Pins accounterments. What's that? If anyone else asked that question, oh, he who is terrible and great, I would have said they are were an ignorant fool in you. It is a sign of that disarming simplicity, which is the front of all virtues. Pins accounterments. No, no, don't let it keep going. Let it keep going. <laughs> Pins accountrements is the most prestigious supplier of magical artifacts in London. It is situated on Piccadilly. Piccadilly. Sholto Pin is the proprietor. Interesting. So if a magician wanted to buy an artifact, he would go to Pins. Yes. What? I'm sorry, Miraculous One. It is difficult to think of a new title for you when you ask short questions. Well, l I will let it pass this time. So, other than Shiler, no one stands out among all his contacts? Are you sure? Yes, exalted being. He has many friends. I cannot signal one out. Who's Amanda? I could not say, oh, Ace One. Perhaps she is his wife. I have never taken messages to her. Oh, Ace One. You really are struggling, aren't you? All right, two last questions coming up. First, have you ever seen or delivered messages to a tall, dark-bearded man wearing a travel-stained cloak and gloves, glowering mysterious? Second, what servants does Simon Lovelace employ? I don't mean squirts like yourself, but potent ones like me. Look sharp, and I might remove this pebble before I go. The imp's voice was doleful. I wish I could satisfy your every whim, lord of all you survey. But first, I fear I have never set eyes on such a bearded person. And second, I do not have access to any of the magician's inner chambers. There are formidable entities within. I sense their power, but unfortunately, I have never met them. All I know is that this morning, the master installed 13 ravious, 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 in his ground. 13! One would be bad enough. They always go for my legs when I arrive with the letter. I debated for a moment. My biggest lead was the Shiler connection. He and Lovelace were up to something, no doubt about it. 
and if I eavesdropped at Parliament that evening, I might very well find out what. But that meeting was hours away. In the meantime, I thought I would call in on pins polished wood at which sat an immensely fat- wait. Did I skip a page? Sounds like it. Yep. There we go. In the meantime, I thought I would call in on Pin's accoutrements of Piccadilly. For sure, Lovelace hadn't got his amulets there. But I might learn something about the bauble's recent past mm. if I checked the place out. There was a slight wriggling under the stone. Hmm. If you're finished, O oh lenient one, might I be allowed to proceed on my way? I suffer the red-hot stipplers if I am late delivering my messages. <sighs> Very well. It's not uncommon to swallow lesser imps that fall into one's power, but that wasn't really my style. I removed myself from the boulder and tossed it to one side. A paper-thin messenger folded himself in a couple of places and got painfully to his feet. Besides, it would have given me a stitch when flying. A stitch? Like a bellyache. Oh, okay. Here are your letters. Don't worry, I haven't doctored them. Nothing to do with me if you had, oh glorious meteor of the east. I simply carry the envelopes. Don't know nothing about what's in them, do I? The crisis is over. The Oh, that's not me. The crisis over. The imp was already reverting to his obnoxious type. Tell me, no, tell no one about our meeting. Or I will be waiting for you next time you set out. What? You think I go looking for trouble? No way. Well, if, drubbing, if my drubbing's over, I'm out of here. With a few wary beats of his leathery wings, the imp rose into the air and disappeared over the trees. I gave him a few minutes to get clear. Then I turned into a pigeon again and flew off myself heading southward over the lonely heath to distant Piccadilly. And thus ends chapter 16. <laughs> so, first things first, I love that fucking imp voice, dear God. Yes. <laughs> that was adorable. Well, I figure we have to have at least one adorable voice in this. Yes. Uh, so, uh, mm -hmm. second thought. Mm -hmm. It's accoutrements. <laughs> what do you guys have? It's accoutrements. Pardon? Because he's a pigeon. It's accoutrements. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, so, what do you guys have? We feel bad for Lady Pigeon. Oh, okay. So, speaking of Lady Pigeon. <laughs> slightly off topic. So, in the, in the Disney movie, The Sword in the Stone, which is based off the Arthurian tale of Arthur becoming king. Uh-huh. As we, if, for, for those of you who haven't seen it, I have go watch VHS. it. You have the, okay, excellent. For those of you who haven't seen it, I believe it's on Disney Plus. 
It better fucking be. I remember it's, seeing it's it from, on Disney Plus. It's from I think like the Golden Age. The Golden Age of Disney, probably. Um. Oh, when when did that movie originally come out? Because that is like when when Walt Disney was still alive too. Yeah. So, anyways, I remember reading a stream of things of like how if they had just turned the squirrel into a human that Arthur would still be alive and would not have been killed by Morgana. The Sword and the Stone came out in 1963. Okay, so, hear me out. So mm -hmm. this stream went as, the, the thread went as so, that if they had turned Squirrel Girl into a girl who the fandom has named Hazel, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, she would have she would have been completely devoted to Arthur because mm -hmm. squirrels mate for life. Mm -hmm. uh, she would have been brought up beside him and eventually been made queen and then would not later be seduced by Morgana and she would not be able to kill him because of it. Because yeah. of that devotion. Because of that devotion. The and there's a bunch of love is strong with that one. And there's basically a bunch of cute fan art of what she would look like if she was a girl and she basically wears something very similar to him and she has red hair and she is so fluffy and there's like pictures of her also learning how to fight with a sword too, oh. which I think is adorable. I would imagine there would be some like fanfics of what would have happened if Merlin had turned the girl, uh, turned that squirrel into a human. Hold on a second. I'm curious now. Because while the source material did not have anything to do with squirrels whatsoever, I don't think. Oh boy. One of the first things that comes up is the Chronicles of the Sword and the Stone, and it says Chapter 1, Meet Hazel. Oh. <laughs> There's already fan fictions about it. Because uh, of course there are. Too bad we're not reading any Arthurian legends. Otherwise, I would totally, like, suggest, hey, you should post that in the fanfic chat. <laughs> well, not right now, because we're not reading... I mean, I imagine we could try and find a copy of The Sword and the Stone. I remember reading one back in uh, elementary school. Hmm. I've got nothing for this chapter other than I fucking loved your imp voice. <laughs> and for once, you got to do a lot more reading than I did. Right? I know. I would good. like to. I would like to point out though that that poor imp, mm -hmm. he's literally like, "God, dude, you're shooting the messenger." Oh, mm -hmm. wait. There is one other thing. Mm -hmm. When Bartimaeus lifted the rock, mm -hmm. the imp folded himself. They said the 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 letter uh, the paper flat imp folded mm -hmm. himself in a couple of different places and picked him up, which paints a rather cartoonish um, image. Mm -hmm. And I fucking which love makes, that. Which makes my voice for him fit all the better. Yep. Also, the imp asking the, uh, Bartimaeus if uh, Bartimaeus would like to um, punish him a certain way. Oh, he's we, a bottom. We, we, don't, uh -huh. we, we don't kink shame here. Okay? Uh-uh. He's no, a bottom. I just wanted to point out that there was some bottom energy there. <laughs> there was bottom energy the second he started having to, like, give him a new name yeah. every time he spoke. Yeah, yeah Bartimaeus was like, bitch, do you know who you're talking to? 
I'm sorry. New names every time I open my mouth to speak to you, oh merciful one. It's hard to think up what new ones when you ask such short questions. Call me bodacious again. <laughs> <laughs> but my question still hasn't been answered. Is Bartimaeus hot? We don't know. We don't know. He hasn't taken on a human form yet. Well, he did, we, but it was a child, we and also, we don't simp over children. We also mm -hmm. don't know what his demon form looks like, because we've never actually been told. Nope. Right now, he's literally just, as far as we're concerned, he's literally just a disembodied voice. Yep. He is effectively a, um, what's it called? Ethereal being. Yep. That can take on different forms, and yep. I need to refocus my camera. There we go. Do we have? I any... think if Go ahead. we're quick, we might have enough time for maybe one more chapter. Because um, it is eleven twenty. Well, it's eleven twenty-five Mountain Standard Time right now. How many how many pages are in Chapter Seventeen? Check Ooh. check. It is still Bartimaeus, by the way. Yeah. And okay. Uh, I honestly don't want to push it because I don't want you being late for work. I do not want to be responsible for that. Yeah. And oof. yeah. Never mind. There is like a bunch. So. Yeah, this is how this is how thick. It's a thick chapter. Yep. <laughs> thick boy. Do, do we have enough chapters for our backlog at least? Well, or do we need to do another couple of chapters next week? I want to actually do, I want to actually if there's nothing else for this chapter, I want to close out this episode and then we'll talk about that with the Twitch chat. So give us okay. give me one second. Yeah. Guys, this has been episode 32 of the Idiot Book Nook podcast and chapter 16 of the Amulet of Samarkand. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for putting up with us for like 32 episodes. It's been a pleasure going on this ride uh, over the last uh, book and a half. If you would like to follow us on social media, you can follow uh, Lady Punnett at lanktr.ee slash paulina.avalon. You could follow The Reading Dragon at lanktr.ee slash The Reading Dragon. And you can follow myself at lanktr.ee slash blazewing2010. If you would like to leave us a voice message and check out our podcast feed, you are more than welcome to do so at anchor.fm slash idiot-book-nook and you can check out our website at idiotbooknook.wordpress.com But for episode 32 of the Idiot Book Nook, uh, I'm Blazewing and I am drinking from a giant battery today. I am the Reading Dragon and I am currently working on my first liter of water for the day. I've been trying to keep up doing three liters a day. That's been a fucking struggle, especially being uh, cut off from nicotine. I'm Lady Punnett, and I am drinking water from a normal cup, and I'm not suffering from nicotine withdrawal. She is in the best situation out of all of us at this moment. Mm -hmm. and, Pray for us. and we will see you guys for episode 33 and chapter 17 as we continue on with the Amulet of Samarkand. And it's still being in Bartimaeus. Thanks, Yay. For Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Yeah. Have a good one, you guys. <laughs>